0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another Vince August podcast, episode 22. Wanted to do something away from the news, uh, a little fun. Uh, The Oscar nominations came out today, January 15th, and what I wanted to do is rather than focus on this year's Oscars, which I will certainly do the weekend of the Oscars, um, I will have a special Oscars Podcast where I would give all my predictions On who's going to win uh, What I wanted to do is Greatest all time Movies from my Perspective and Just kind of throw some stuff out there that we can Have some fun with and, and kind of interact uh, With the audience um, I've broken them Down into different categories because It's so hard to just say this is the Best movie of all time So I came up with a list of Categories And I'm going to hit each category, and then I'm going to have what I think are some of the most overrated movies in uh, American cinema. Let's start, um, let's go right into comedy. Uh, As a comedian, I guess it only makes sense for me to go there. There have been unbelievable comedies made throughout our cinematic history, um, going back to the Marx Brothers Uh, I'm going way back. I'm looking at everything. And, you know, when you start with the Marx Brothers and and Horse Feathers and A Day at the Races, um, you know, then you move forward. There's Woody Allen films, which I was never a big fan of. To me, um, when you look at Mel Brooks, you're talking about some really genius uh, comedy there. And then, you know, we get into the more recent stuff, some surprises along the way Um, from me. Just friends with Anna Faris and uh, Ryan Reynolds was just absolutely hysterical and caught me by surprise. But if I have to pick my all time favorite comedy, it, it came down to two films. And. I mean, it was such a tough decision But I'm going to have to go with Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, for me, edges out Caddyshack by just the slightest of margins. Um, Caddyshack, you're talking about some of the, the funniest people, especially in that era, in one movie. Ted Knight, Rodney Dangerfield, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. I mean, that movie was just unbelievably funny brilliant comedy to write it into a, a sport like golf and make it funny I mean just I, I think it it's just a testament to how that movie even though it, it's kind of a guy movie I, I think it's relatable and funny to everyone but nothing can beat out young Frankenstein um, Mel Brooks you're talking he put together Just when you think about Gene Wilder, uh, Madeline Kahn, who was just unbelievable. You're talking brilliantly funny in that character. There's just such subtle things at the train station with with her and Gene Wilder in that scene where she's going to an event and they're saying goodbye. And she's saying, don't touch your hair. Don't touch your nails. I mean, just I, I don't think anything can outdo young Frankenstein. So as far as comedies go. Uh, Young Frankenstein is my all-time favorite. That's number one. There, there were some other ones that were up there. Monty Python: and The Holy Grail was was a another one I considered, but I'm, I'm going to go Young Frankenstein, best overall comedy. Uh, let's go into uh, westerns. Let's let's break into westerns. I have a bunch in front of me, and I want to save some of the better ones for the end. Um, when it comes to westerns, I am an unbelievable fan of all of the Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns. Good, the bad, and the ugly for a fistful of dollars, for a few dollars more. The outlaw Josie Wales wasn't really Spaghetti Western, more straight Western. Um, really, everything Clint Eastwood did in that role um, was great, absolutely great. But nothing comes close to the Magnificent Seven. When you can put all of that talent... On screen at the same time. And we're starting to see. Stallone is trying to do something like that. With the Expendables. In terms of getting the action heroes. All together under one roof. For a movie. But a lot of times. Ego prevents that from happening. You saw it with the Ocean's Eleven franchise. A little bit. uh, Where you got again. Some tremendous actors under one roof. Um. But it to me, it all starts with the Magnificent Seven, Yul Brenner, Charles Bronson, Eli Wallach, uh, a Jewish actor playing a Mexican. That you, you, it was Eli Wallach was incredible as the villain um, Calvera, in that movie. So to me, westerns nothing comes close. And shamefully in this country, I don't think we've been able to really put together a, a good western. I, I, I applaud. Quentin Tarantino uh, for Django. But I I don't really consider Django a Western. Um, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. eh, Silverado, eh, I think they just missed the mark. Um, Magnificent Seven blows them all the way. If I had to have a second favorite, I guess it would have to be Good, Bad, and the Ugly by default. Let's get into my other career, Law. Um, The best... Law movie and they're really, you know, I had to go back for law movies when I had to sit and think about this one. I, we really can't seem to come up with that formula to show a court case or a law movie in a way that's realistic for me. You you have to go back. I guess the most recent one really is you have to go to the eighties, the verdict, um, you know, other than that, you're looking really way back into our cinematic history. Twelve Angry Men is another one that was brilliant, but as a as a lawyer, as someone who was a judge, still practicing law, still trying cases, nothing comes close. This this one was a, a distant first, and Justice for All with Al Pacino. Um, I can tell you, as a lawyer, that is as close to a bullseye. Of a law movie that you will ever see, even with the the ridiculousness in it, of you know uh, the crazy judge who's suicidal, passive aggressive suicidal, um, and and some of the crazy characters. To me, nothing comes close to Injustice for All. Uh, just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant movie um, when it comes to law movies. Let's get into um, the next uh, area. I'm gonna go horror because it's a, a simple category as far as I'm concerned. Um, horror movies over the years have, have just become about gore, have just become about, you know, who can show the the most blood? and it's it's really disappointing that that's where it's gone to. To me, the the greatest all-time horror movie was Halloween. Uh, the original Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe it's because I was young at the time, maybe because I was a, afraid of the boogeyman at the time, but the, the Michael Myers mask, that character, I think is one of the scariest characters that we have in that horror genre. I don't think anything comes close to that. Uh, so for me, for my bank, for my buckets, it's the original Halloween. Um, let's go sports movies. Sports movies is a little bit tricky, um, because there's certain sports movies that I don't think are really movies about the sport, really about, um, you know, the the actual, like, for example, you have the movie miracle, which was about the United States Olympic hockey team from 1980 that won the gold medal. Um, and as that was to me more a movie about the event than it's, you know, a movie about the actual sport of hockey. So there's different ways to look at sport and, and you know, ways to approach this. Um, Brian's song for, you know, when you talk about a movie that's wrapped around sport, I don't know that there's any movie that will get a person more emotional than Brian's song attached to a sport and it was you know gail sayers and brian piccolo uh the story is about these two running backs who played together um for the chicago bears and brian piccolo winds up getting struck with cancer and uh, you know you have to understand the time period in which this happened in real life and again a lot like miracle it's it's a story about real event um I tend to lean towards those movies more so than, say, Major League uh, or some of these other movies that are tied to sports like Slapshot, which was a really funny sports comedy movie. Um, But I wouldn't consider – I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to throw it into that category of sport. Getting to the favorites, Um, Rocky, the original Rocky – I think has to be in any conversation when it comes to a movie that has to deal with sports, the underdog. And I love that it was an original screenplay. I love that it was a made up story and you have to consider Rocky as one of the all time great sports movies for this reason. You have this sports story made up about this character And this person who is completely fictional and our entire country since the first Rocky has come out has been tied to this character one way or another, whether it's, you know, through the music, the Rocky music, the motivation behind the Rocky music. The fact that you have this uh, statue outside the, the museums in Philadelphia where people will go to run up the stairs that Rocky ran up uh, in his you know in his runs to get ready for his big fight. So Rocky has to be in the conversation, but Rocky loses f- out from me to a movie and and this is when I made my list, I have to tell you this one was a tough one to make because I am not a fan of the team. In fact, I root against them. Whenever they play. So for me to pick this movie as an all-time favorite, this is not an easy one. I think the movie Rudy is the best sport movie for my money. Um, I I just, first of all, it is, again, it ties into that whole Brian Piccolo thing and, and the whole thing with, you know, like Miracle that it's about a real character. Here's why I like Rudy more than Rocky. There's a couple of reasons. The first reason, it's not about hitting the game-winning home run. It's not about winning the fight. It's not about scoring the winning touchdown. It's not about any of those things. It's about a kid who just wants to make the team. It's about a kid who just wants to wear that uniform once. Who wants to run out of that tunnel one time. Wants to see his name in the program one time. He knows his limitations. He knows that he's not good enough to play. But he fought, scratched, and clawed just to get to the point where he could get in one game. That's why I love it in, in terms of sports movies because... Rocky ultimately is, again, it's close because it's not about winning the fight. He knows he can't beat Apollo Creed. He just wants to go to distance. No one ever w- was standing at the end of 15 rounds. I think Rudy edges out Rocky because it, it, it's a real story. And because it's a real story, it got me that much m- m- that much more emotional about it. Um, there isn't the fiction there to kind of drive me off of it. There's the fact that this really happened. So that's why it edges out Rocky. There, There's other great sports movies. I think A League of Their Own is a really great movie. I, I'm constantly coaxed to watch Bang the Drum Slowly um, by a friend who, who gave me the movie. And I got to watch it. I, I hear that's a great one. But overall, number one, I'm going to go Rocky. While we're in the sports category, I'm going to give you, to me... The most overrated sports film. And again, I don't find this to be a sport film, but it's tied to sport. The overall, most overrated sport film for me. And I think one of the most overrated movies ever. And it absolutely made careers for these actors is Bull Durham. I think Bull Durham is one of the, Worst movies I have ever seen. I cannot sit through that movie without cringing multiple times. I don't understand the fascination at all with the movie Bull Durham. I don't like the characters. I don't like Susan Sarandon's character. I don't like Tim Robbins character as this baseball pitcher who's moving up. I don't like Kevin Costner's character as the catcher who, you know, drowned in the minor leagues and broke the home run record in the minor leagues and then eventually just hung it up. And the the love underlying love story, too, I don't like it at all. I don't get it. I don't know why ESPN and some of these other sports channels glorify this movie. Someone's got to explain it to me. Don't get it. Don't, don't like it. Don't get it. Never did. Um, let, let's, let's go into a, a, a category that's going to surprise a lot of you. Romance. Think of all the great romantic movies ever made. I am probably going to shock all of you with what I find to be my favorite romance movie of all time. Um, and there's been, I mean, when Harry met Sally is a great one, um, you know, gone with the wind is, is just one of, again, just a historical cinematic masterpiece for us in this country. Um, the notebook, you know, there's so many, but there's, there's a couple for me that are at the top of the list. And. One of them is Silver Linings Playbook. Made my my top, uh, not number one overall. Silver Linings Playbook is is definitely in there. I think the characters are very relatable, very real. They're flawed. Um, I just think the romance it, it moves a little fast for me. Um, it, it it the storyline kind of it morphs and and all of a sudden it, it gets from a to B, a little too quick at the end. But Silver Linings Playbook is, is one of my top three. Then it came down to these two. And the reason why The Princess Bride is number two is because, I, to me, Princess Bride is kind of on the line with comedy and romance. And I was going to put it in comedy. But to me, Young Frankenstein still beats it out in comedy. Um, So it was kind of this hybrid. And it comes in at number two in all-time greatest romances. And I'm going to floor you with this one. You're not going to believe it. To me, the all-time greatest romance movie, and it's a movie, Beauty and the Beast, Disney. I got to go with Beauty and the Beast. And I know God knows how many people just threw up their hands, saying, are you kidding me? That's your favorite romance? And here's why. First of all, it's, it's an animated movie. It's a cartoon. And the reason I like that is because you're not caught up in the characters in terms of what their physical appearance is. So it's not about two beautiful people falling in love. It's not about the perfect guy and the perfect woman. It's not, you know, and, and listen, there have been other really good romantic comedies. Boomerang, I thought, was a great movie. Um, but you get caught up in the whole, I mean, Annie Murphy was just so made up in that movie. And, and it was, you know, this. The, this whole character that they drew him up to be perfect. And Robin Williams. And I, I, that's why I moved away from stu- something like that. And Halle Berry. Beauty and the Beast. You're dealing with cartoon characters. One. So you don't get caught up in, in the actual people. And what they look like. The other thing about it that I really love about Beauty and the Beast. Is the, the underlying unknown story. That bell ultimately saves the beast it's bell it's the woman that saves the man it's you know as much as we see a lot of romances and pretty woman is you know again you know the the guy who's the the rich guy and there's, there's the poor woman and and he turns her into a princess and this was as much as it was about bell eventually becoming a princess It was really about her teaching the guy how to love and what love is. And they came from, and there's no, the looks are not a factor. It's literally about two people caught in a circumstance, caught in a situation. And she doesn't realize the ramifications of her falling in love with him at the end. I just think it's an amazing story. And I know I'm talking about a cartoon and some of you may be sitting home saying, wait a minute, you just ripped apart. You just put certain movies ahead of other movies because the realism in the story. And now you take this cartoon and put it above movies with real people. Yes, because when it comes to a romance like that, I don't want it to be attached to physical attractiveness. I don't want it to be attached to the two characters. I mean, listen. You look at, uh, you know, the the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the scene between Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie when they're fighting in the house. And then all of a sudden it breaks into this incredible, passionate lovemaking. Yeah, it's between Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Oh, gee whiz. That's a really tough romance to fall into or romantic scene to fall into. The, I like this because, again, anyone can picture themselves as these characters. You don't have to be beautiful um it's i'm going beauty and the beast i'm trying to justify they don't need to justify you know what it's beauty and a beast um let, let's go to animated while we're with the disney theme in, in terms of animated of course you're dealing with more recent stuff um there was the the toy story trilogy was really great it really was a great trilogy um, but for me, it, it comes down to these two. Finding Nemo was just adorable, beginning to end. Um, the story, the father, the son, and of course, Disney always loves to kill somebody in a movie. So the mom dies. You know, the barracuda eats the mom. It's it's just a great story. The way they incorporate fish and traveling through the seas. And getting to Australia, and you know the the dad and and the son, Ellen DeGeneres, I mean that voiceover, and when you look at the fish, Dory, I how many of you can watch that movie and not see Ellen DeGeneres' face in that fish? I think it's impossible. I think every time you watch it, you feel Ellen DeGeneres is that fish. Um, so Finding Nemo was. Slightly edged out, a close second to my all-time favorite animated movie, WALL-E. Again, robots, um, the fact that you have this romance between this old robot and this new robot, it can apply to anybody. Um, It also throws in the whole storyline and dependence a, you know the laziness of people over time moving into history and how we kind of drift into technology and away from just doing things um i i go with wally wally is my favorite all-time animated film um let's go and and i put this in in a, a different category as war films uh, there have been some great war films in fact i remember growing up Coming home and on ABC used to be the four thirty movie, and they used to have, you know, all the war movies on and between Bridge Over a River Kwai, The Great Escape, The Longest Day, The Green Beret, you're talking about really great movies with unbelievable actors, John Wayne, uh Robert Redford, uh Steve McQueen um god just in in the great escape you had garner mcqueen um oh god he was in the magnificent seven as well uh colburn james colburn um just just an unbelievable list again charles bronson in the great escape just the the list of actors that they put together in that film was a incredible that, and that's the way Hollywood used to be. You know, there wasn't this ego. You just put all these actors together in these great films. Uh, great, great movies over the history. Um, then you had, you know, you got more into the Vietnam movies as time went on. And, you know, well, of course, you had all the World War II movies, Torah, Torah. Tora. Um Then, you know, as the Vietnam War went on and then you saw a whole bunch of movies get into the Vietnam storyline full metal jacket is definitely in one of the the top you know when you look at the way it was done about the boot camp and what you know marines go through in boot camp and then eventually it you know it touches on vietnam and and what it turns into from boot camp uh a great movie um saving private ryan misses the mark for me um you know, Good Morning Vietnam, Robin Williams uh, didn't hit the mark for me. When it, when it comes to all-time best war movies, this one, to me, is hands down clearly the best. There's not a close second. Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down is one of those movies that, when I watch it, I actually get emotional Every single time, if I you know I, I don't like to look back in my life and live with regret or, or or think about regrets. if I if you said to me one regret in your lifetime, if you could go back in time and you would do one thing different, what would it be? I, I think and my life would have taken a completely different direction. And if I wanted my life to be completely different and rather than go to the left, go to the right, I think that change would have been that I would have enlisted in the military, whether it be the Army or the Marines. Um, When I watch the movie Black Hawk Down, I have this feeling of just helplessness sitting there watching the movie, thinking, as I'm watching it, how could— I sit here and do nothing to help these soldiers. I feel in in like this inferiority, this insecure, just this helpless feeling to want to do something to help these poor soldiers in this situation that they were in. Um, there is a storyline within there, and this is a factual movie about two of the greatest. American soldiers you will ever see put into a movie. And they were given the the Medal of Honor, I think Purple Heart, and one of the highest awards and highest honors in the military um, after their their passing away. Gary Gordon and Randy Chagart, who were Delta Delta soldiers. um, And I had a chance to actually meet the helicopter pilot uh, Michael Durant, who was taken prisoner, he wrote uh, a book called "In the in Company of Heroes." In the Company of Heroes, and he did a book signing in a bookstore in, in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And I made sure to get down there. And sadly enough, I think about forty to fifty people showed up for this book signing, which to me is embarrassing, considering the the fact that you know lines wrapped around the building for Caroline Kennedy. Not a knock on Caroline Kennedy, but when you consider what Michael Durant went through in his life, you would think that more people would show up for him. Um, Lines wrapped around the building for wrestlers. They had to get security and police in to control the lines for professional wrestlers, and Michael Durant only had 50 people. That made me sick. But anyway, I digress. Michael Durant was the helicopter pilot whose Black Hawk crashed in... Mogadishu not the first one he was the second one Uh, I think it was super 6-4 his Black Hawk helicopter crashes and as he's sitting there waiting for the city to come on top of him and ultimately kill him two Delta soldiers ask numerous times to be dropped in and provide cover fire for this guy that they didn't know. He was on the same base, but they never met. And Michael Durant confirmed that for me. We never met. He goes, "I saw them. Um, you know, I couldn't tell you who they were, but I, I, you know, recognized them when they came in to the helicopter. And they were basically dropped in. They provided cover. God knows how many people they killed to defend and keep Michael Durant alive until finally they were killed. And what you don't see in the movie is their bodies were ripped out of the helicopter." stripped naked, and literally their limbs were torn off, if you know the real story. And I had a chance to talk to Michael Duran, and I said, you know, when you think about these people sacrificing their life for you, you know, what do you say? He goes, I don't know. He goes, but I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for them. So when I watch that movie, I'm literally brought to tears every time. And I I have this helpless feeling watching it. Like, every time I'm sitting there, I I feel like I want to do something to – I want to be there to help these soldiers. It's an incredible helpless feeling. Um, But to me, Black Hawk Down, by far and away, best war movie ever made. Uh, In terms of drama, let's jump into the drama department and then I'll give you some surprises for me. For drama, there's really four films that, you know, when when I made my list and I kept, And I almost did it like a a college basketball bracket when the tournament comes around. I I would pit movies against each other and eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. And I was kind of surprised that this one movie kept surviving rounds. But the movie Gladiator uh, with Russell Crowe is really a great, great film. Um, Has some holes. But overall, the storyline was it appealed to me. And I guess part of the reason it appeals to me is because it's not about Russell Crowe becoming anything greater than what he was. Ultimately, he sacrificed his life to see Rome become what it was supposed to be. He was following through on a promise. It's not just about revenge. It's not just about avenging the death of his wife and his kid, Um there's something more to the storyline there. And if for some reason, Gladiator kept surviving all my eliminations. Um, but that's not at the top. Above Gladiator is Reservoir Dogs. To me, Quentin Tarantino's career was made on this movie, and justifiably so. Reservoir Dogs, the, the way it's filmed, out of order, um, the way it, it shows and, and the, the different characters that were written in, just... Phenomenal work by Quentin Tarantino. Reservoir Dogs is is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, that is is w- without a doubt near the top, slightly edged out by American History X. American History X is one of those movies I cannot shut off every time it's on television it's unbelievable no matter what time of night it's on i have to sit there and watch it again a lot like black hawk down it's one of those movies that disturbs me to my core and you know when you see what goes on in that movie and and when you see what ed norton talk about brilliant acting when you see that the growth in his character and what his character has to go through and the awakening and He's awakened in a situation that's constantly around crime and negativity. He weathers this storm in the most adverse of conditions. American History X, to me, should be in every school in this country. It should be part of high school curriculum. It should be part of every film school. As far as a, making a great movie, the use of black and white and color, you know, b- the past versus the present. Again, an unbelievably well written, um, a, a movie that I think stands the test of time. The acting is superior. Uh, just a, again, a, without a doubt, one of the greatest movies we've ever had. Um, and as great as that is. It gets slightly edged out. Man, this was some race for drama by Godfather Part 2. Um, Godfather Part 1, again, cinematic masterpiece, whatever you want to call it, doesn't make my list in the, in the drama for the top four or five. And the reason Godfather 1 doesn't make it is because, to, to me, Godfather 2 was that much better than Godfather 1 which is a huge feat because when you think about how great godfather one is to do a sequel and then have the sequel outdo the original masterpiece is mind-numbing francis ford coppola wow how did you pull that one off and he did um he equally wows us with godfather three in the opposite direction Oh, talk about a movie that should have never been made. Uh, Boy, everything that was done with Godfather 2 was certainly undone with Godfather 3, but that's a whole other thing. Godfather 2, to me, the the great thing about it is the way it shows Michael Corleone in relation to his father. And the storyline appears to be, no matter how much or how hard you try, you can't break away from who and what you ultimately are. And that's such a profound storyline in that film. Um, Maybe it's because I'm an Italian immigrant. Maybe because there's a lot of parallels with that storyline that I see in my own life with my dad. Um, But that's a movie that talks to me. And to me, for dramas, again, Reservoir Dogs, American History X, Godfather Part Two pick any one of them godfather part two is going to edge them all out um let's go to a, a category superheroes um the superhero movies over the years and they, God, there's been so many to me there's only two that stand out the first being the original superman with christopher reeve when you watch it now you look at it and say wow you know, it's not even... I mean, you look at the all of the technological advancements in films and you look at the, the modern Superman, which, by the way, Man of Steel, to me, was an awful movie. Um, you know, I, I understand Superman is technically an alien, but the whole point of Superman is that he hides himself and camouflages himself as one of us. Uh, that movie seems to fly in the face of it. The other thing is... Listen, we know he's going to beat General Zod in this fight. Why is it necessary to destroy all of New York City, Metropolis, and drag this fight on for 40 minutes? We get it. They're too superhuman because they're They're aliens. Oh, my God. Man of Steel, to me, was not even close to the original Superman. I'm sorry. I know people love the guy. He's handsome. He's built. He's this. No. He's no. Nah. Nah. The original Superman with Christopher Reeve, if you watched it in 1978 like I did, that was incredibly done. That was ahead of its time. Um, And to me, the storyline was true to the comic book, which is the key when I look at superhero movies. I want the storyline to be as true to the comic book as possible, and I don't think Superman drifted at all from it. I think Christopher Reeve played a great Superman. I love the way he was that bubbling, you know, bumbling Clark Kent. Um, and he he knew it. And at the same time, you know, the, the romance didn't overpower the movie. I, I think that one was, without a doubt, you know, clearly one of the, the top two. Um, and, and this, I, I couldn't choose between these two. I went back and forth. Um, Batman Begins. Uh, the original Batman in the the newest trilogy. When you look at the last three Batman movies uh, and you look at the acting by Christian Bale, uh, again, you're talking about one of the best actors we have right now in Hollywood. And what Chris Nolan did as a director in these movies It shows why Chris Nolan is one of the best directors, if not the best director in Hollywood right now. He spares no expense for detail, uh, attention to detail, and again, staying within the storyline of what is the comic book. Batman Begins, to me, is as close to the comic book as you're going to get. Now, there's three movies here. Why did I pick Batman Begins? I thought The Dark Knight Rises... I thought the storyline was very convoluted, how he gets out of that pit and rises out of the pit and sneaks back into New York City where no one can get in and out of yet somehow he means, seems to make it in no problem, finds uh Selena Kyle, Catwoman, you know, randomly in a matter of minutes as he's back in. It, it just the uh the storyline didn't work for me. With regards to um the second Batman movie, with the Joker uh, and Two Face, really close to Batman Begins. Uh, the, again, you know um, Heath Ledger's acting as the Joker was beyond brilliant. Uh, best Joker ever on film. Uh, again, the storyline there just seemed to miss the mark for me. in compared to Batman Begins, I think Batman Begins just just nailed it. A little bit more. Again, I'm talking about giving one a 10 and the other one a 9.9, uh, but I'm going to go. Batman Begins, best superhero movie. Now I'm going to throw you. Here is two movies for me that ha- that don't fall into any categories. The first is the movie I've seen the most in my lifetime, meaning you know this is a guy thing that we watch movies ten thousand times over and over again. Star Wars Episode IV, uh, A New Hope, is so ingrained and emblazed in my brain, I could probably do it from beginning to end and say everyone's lines, including R2D2's sounds. When the original Star Wars came out in 1977, the lines to get into theaters were ridiculous. You couldn't get near a movie theater to see Star Wars. Uh, eventually, it moved to the Oratani Theater in Hackensack on Main Street, which was quite a distance from my house, but it was a block away from the Johnson Public Library, and that's the first time I saw it, and I immediately fell in love with Star Wars. I was a Star Wars nut out of the gate, nerded out my whole life over the Star Wars movies. Um, Here's the thing about seeing that movie. Whenever I had a chance to go to Johnson Public Library, I would sneak into... I would sneak out of the library and sneak into the movie theater and watch it again. I think I saw Star Wars in the movie theater about thirteen times as a kid. It came out at, and it stayed in the theater for a while. So figure I was about nine years old, and I was just absolutely taken by this film. So it, I think at one point, something like ten consecutive Saturdays, when whenever I went to the library, I would sneak into the movie theater. Um, that's how much of a Star Wars nut I was, and then when it came out and then it be, you know became a thing about you know VHS and DVD, I watched Star Wars pretty much every time I, I could. Um, I was that big of a, a Star Wars New Hope fan, uh, Episode Four. So that's probably the movie I've seen the most times. Here's one that's going to blow your mind with me: the movie that motivated me, that finally pushed my button to say. I want to be an actor. It's going to blow your mind. The movie Staying Alive with John Travolta. Listen, you can laugh at me. You you should be laughing at me. I don't know why. But there was something about this movie. I'll, I'll never forget. I saw it at the Paramus RKO on Route 4 at the time. I think it was still a movie theater that was... I don't think it was quite a tenplex yet. I think it was still two movies in in the RKO, and then next door there was another smaller theater. I don't think it quite bumped up to a tenplex at that time. It may have. Um, Saw the movie there with my cousin, and as we were walking home, we walked home from Paramus, New Jersey, all the way to his house in South Hackensack, down Main Street, Hackensack. Uh, We were, I think, 12 years old. I finally admitted out loud for the first time I wanted to be an actor. Um, to me, seeing this Italian from Englewood, New Jersey, John Travolta, make it, and I was a huge John Travolta fan. I I loved Grease. I loved Welcome Back, Cotter. In fact, it was one of the first voices I learned to imitate. Um, I, I I saw that movie, and that was it. That was it. I said, you know what? I'm, and I've, when, I remember we got to my cousin's house, and I said the words out loud to my parents. My mom was there. I want to be an actor. And, of course, I got laughed off. And, you know, you, you actor, what are you crazy? Because Italian immigrants, you know, that's not a real job. And uh, there's a whole other story behind that that hopefully you'll read in my book. But Staying Alive was the movie that got me to come out of my shell and say out loud for the first time, I want to be an actor. Let me give you my most overrated movies. And I've tried to pick them from different categories. Um, first one is going to shock you. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, The Two Towers, The, the, the Rings Return, Three Ring Circus, whatever they're called. I don't even know what the last one's called. I can't get through five minutes of that movie without falling asleep. It's amazing. If I have insomnia, all I got to do is turn on Lord of the Rings. I'm out cold. And I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I don't get it. It just doesn't. It's just one of those movies I can sit and watch and I don't get it. There are TV shows like that. Big Bang Theory. I'm not saying it's a bad show. I don't get it. It doesn't appeal to me in any way, shape, or form. The Lord of the Rings thing just does not appeal to me. I don't get it. I can't sit through it. Literally, I can't sit through the movie. Um, Here's a classic that, again, I've I've watched it. Hitchcock, I guess, is a genius. The movie Psycho. I don't find it scary, creepy, nothing. Nothing. The movie Psycho, and I'm not saying Anthony Perkins doesn't do a good job. I'm not saying that there isn't incredible cinematic qualities to it, that it lends itself to what the horror genre becomes. I'm I'll, Granted, I'll give you all of it. I just, it doesn't appeal to me. The movie Psycho does nothing for me. Another movie that was nominated for an Oscar, and I never understood it, Chariots of Fire, is incredibly boring. Wow. Talk about another unwatchable movie. I've watched chariots of fire. Now I can tell you this. At least I've made it through chariots of fire a couple times. I can't make it through a Lord of the Rings movie made it through chariots of fire. And I can tell you, I think I'm pretty smart when I watch chariots of fire. I can't figure out who the hell is who I get lost. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, I don't know who's who or what's the story here. I don't get it someone please explain chariots of fire to me another one that people seem to love i think it's an absolute spoof i I think it it almost falls into a category of like airplane because i i think the acting is so bad and even though al pacino is in one of my all-time favorite movies godfather part two you make the list on one of the all-time worst movies scarface I don't I I think it's a comedy. I I watched Scarface and and I'm like this movie is this is a comedy, right? You you didn't really mean to make a drama here. This this movie's a comedy. Um yeah, I don't understand the appeal to Scarface. It's the the storyline, the blood, the the gore, the the killing, the drugs no appeal to me whatsoever. And then there's the all-time great That doesn't fit into any category, and there's two that come to mind. First, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, The original Wizard of Oz is, again, I I think a, a part of what America is. You look at our 20th century. You look at cinema. I think you have to throw Wizard of Oz into everything that America is about in terms of making movies, in terms of the use of color in film and, and animation, and animatronics and all the different things and, and the storyline. And, you know, just the, this notion of of, you know, the yellow brick road and a dream sequence. And I, Wizard of Oz is brilliant and, and one of our best all time movies. Slight second to It's a Wonderful Life. Um, which I have, if you put again, if you make brackets and you put all these great movies, it's a wonderful life seems to survive every elimination against every movie you can put it up against for different reasons. Um, so to me, again, when you look at Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed in that movie, uh, the job that they do, the storyline, The emotion, again, I think it brings people to tears every year. Maybe it's because it's tied to that Christmas time, and it's not about a Christmas movie. I I don't consider one. It's a Wonderful Life a quote-unquote Christmas movie. I think it's shown at that time of year because, again, it, it winds up being wrapped around the ending scene around Christmas. But to me, it's just a movie about human compassion and how... The events of our life touch everything along the way, so to me it's a wonderful life again falls into the category of all time greats uh, i get this is a topic we can go on and on about um, There are so many movies over the course of history that are just you know it, films that we can argue back and forth over, which is better, which isn't, but we're trying to break it down into categories. And have some fun. And give you a different type of podcast. Something that you can all interact with. Some things that you can sit back and say. Staying alive? With John Travolta? Are you kidding me? Beauty and the Beast? The best romance? Um, You know, stuff like that. That you can yell at me about. And and tell me I'm nuts. Um, Tell me how you think Rocky should beat out Rudy. Tell me how I'm a hypocrite because I pick real-life stories and then go on an animated film. Uh, This is one of those fun ones that you can be very interactive with me. Um, Something different, something fun. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please give me your feedback. Um, Send me your messages. Thank you for joining me. Another Vince August podcast.